Welcome to the NASA in Silicon Valley podcast, episode 56. This week, we dive into the information technology sector of NASA Ames as we talk to Jerry Davis, our chief information officer. Jerry leads the large group that manages the IT systems throughout the center. We talk about his path through the Marine Corps and how that led him into NASA through interesting twists and turns. We also go into how IT support is crucial to NASA's mission, both in sharing information with the scientific community, but also on the cybersecurity side to protect our data and our systems. We go a little bit into the weeds about the proposal process and some ideas that Jerry's working on right now and how it can refine nuggets of an idea into workable solutions. So here is Jerry Davis. We always like to start it out with getting to know people. So yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself, Jerry. Like, how did you join NASA? How'd you end up in Silicon Valley? You know, I, I started at NASA. I tell folks this is my second trip through NASA. So I've got about seven years okay. altogether. Um, I was uh, the agency uh, chief information security officer from 2002. Uh, seven to 2010 okay and at headquarters and okay. and, and and left and I went into another agency and I got a call in 2012 and asked me if I was interested <laughs> <laughs> interested in, in you coming tried back. to leave but they keep pulling uh, you yeah, right yeah back. yeah you know NASA's like that you know I think uh, they, they, it does kind of have that family mentality so I think uh, when they've had people um, that, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess I want to pat myself on the back and say, like, <laughs> people who are good. No, that's, that's a <laughs> fair know. point. You know, it's like, um, it, you know, part of that family. Them. Yeah. They asked if I was interested in coming back, coming out to Ames. And um, I had been out here quite a bit. I actually grew up in Southern Cal. So I had been out oh, here nice. quite a bit when I was the agency uh, uh, CISO. So I came back in 2013. Has been been here a little bit over four years now. Up here, uh, at you said CISO. That is the secure. That's a that's a chief information security officer. Yeah, because okay, people listening be like, "What's a CISO?" <laughs> yeah. So really, they just had reached out to you, like, "Hey, come on out to the Bay Area. Come yeah. to Ames." Yeah, they 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 said, "Yeah, they said, hey, you know, what are you doing? Would you want to come out?" And it was funny. It actually, it actually, I uh, had two two opportunities. The first time they asked me, I just wasn't ready. You know, mm-hmm. I was in DC and I had a lot going on and I turned it down and, yeah. uh, and, and regrettably turned it down, but I just wasn't ready. And, uh, I think they tried to fill the position, had some difficulties and came back, you know, like maybe four or five months later and said, are things better for you now? Which they were. <laughs> and they, I said, yeah, absolutely. They said, well, how about now? I said, I'm, I'm there. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's always like, always going to get the kick out of like coming. You do the DC to to the Bay Area. I mean, I say this in almost every podcast. It's but it's the weather. Like, yeah. There's no humidity and it's 70 degrees yeah. all the time. Absolutely, you just can't you can't get over it. Especially when you see on the news that there's a snowzilla or snowpocalypse, <laughs> and I'm like, eh, I'm drinking coffee on my patio. I'm good. Yeah. So. Um, so coming over, was it to land in your current job, kind of being in, in charge of like IT systems at Ames? Right. Like- so it was a departure for me. I had, I had grown up, uh, as I like to say, primarily in in cybersecurity. That was okay. my background. That was my probably my, my strong suit as related to IT. Mm-hmm. And so uh, moving over to kind of pure uh, um, IT and, and and running IT organization. Um, was what I what I came for, and it, it was it, for me. It was an opportunity to stretch yourself a little bit more, okay. grow a little bit more. Um, even though I, I love security, I, I tend to kind of gravitate 
uh, you know all the time towards that area. Yeah. But yeah, it it was uh, just a um, it was a, it's a slight departure. I mean, IT is IT, um, but now I'm involved in more more nuances beyond you know just security. You know, okay. it's the day to day service delivery. Yeah. Um, and different types of issues um, that that are that come upon you um, just in IT in general versus just straight security. I think it's kind of the nature of the job. Whenever you're good at building your widget, you're good at doing your thing. Eventually, they put you in charge of the people making it. Then eventually, you're, you're over that entire that, yeah. that entire branch. Yeah. And so you have to figure it out. Yeah. I, you know, I, and that's something I, I would get all the time. Um, when when uh, I ha- so I have this philosophy right about mm-hmm. leadership, and when I had left NASA the first time yeah. um, and moved on, you know, I went to I went to Veterans Affairs. This is a huge, completely agency. different, huge, yeah. agency, completely different. And one of the questions I got uh, from one reporter was, "Well, you know, even NASA, you know, which is a certain size, and you now you're going to one of the largest agencies in the federal government outside of DOD." And he yeah. said, "How are you gonna? How's that gonna work? How you know? How do you expect to deal with that?" And uh, I pat myself on the back that I thought I came up with this great quote. I said, "You know, I said, I said, leadership is scalable to any size." Yeah, right? I said, nice. you know, it doesn't matter whether it's whether it's you know five thousand uh, uh, employee agency or four hundred thousand. I said, mm-hmm. if you've got I think decent leadership skills, management skills, you can you can scale up and down. So um, switching over to just pure CIO uh, role, it it. it wasn't a big change because the, the principles around leadership and management were, were all the same to me. And so in going back to when you first joined at headquarters, like that mm-hmm. first time around, I mean, were how did you end up landing at NASA of all places? Were you, I mean, I'm guessing you were always interested in IT. You're always probably tinkering, playing around with the computer, doing yeah. stuff. But then you ended up leveraging that to doing that for NASA. I mean, did you always want to work for NASA or it, how did Absolutely. So, you know, I'm probably like, uh, you know, 99.99% of people at NASA who always wanted to work at NASA (laughs) and always wanted to be an astronaut or something like that. And uh, I have an interesting story. I was always, uh, as a kid, interested in just technology. I was the the kid that took stuff apart, couldn't put it back together, was always interested in how things ran and and curious. And uh, at one point, you know, I was in the the Marine Corps in the reserves. Okay. And I was interested in uh, electric optical work. So lasers and things like that. So I was one of these guys, I I bought books. If I didn't, if I didn't know something, I was, I go buy a book in a minute. And then Mm -hmm. I would read uh, books on that. That was obviously before the internet, right? So (laughs) go to the library, go to bookstores. And I started doing work and started working with the federal laboratory consortiums um, and DOD and in the old strategic defense initiative organizational stuff. And I got connected to some databases and online forums that connected me to JPL and okay, people cool. who were working electro optical and that sort of thing. Well, fast forward, you know, I always wanted to work for NASA. I was a big um, fan of, of space flight and the shuttle yeah. and that sort of thing. I wanted to be an astronaut. And in 2003, I actually applied to the astronaut corps, <laughs> you know. Um, it's kind of a rite of passage around here. You've talked to a lot of researchers and people who at some point in time figured, yeah. why not? Yeah. And, uh, you know, through the through the Marine Corps, through jobs I had, uh, my first federal job was at Central Intelligence Agency, working there uh, in technology mm-hmm. and, and other areas, um, and kind of being self-taught initially around computer systems and that sort of thing. Um, I applied for the astronaut job. Um, it didn't happen, obviously. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, I'm here. But what I tell people is that was 2003, and I say, you know, well, the consolation prize was four years later. They let me uh, be the agency chief information security officer. So I, I had a I had been working and consulting um, in security, 
And so, you know, it's funny when I go and I, I talk to a lot of kids and that sort of thing, and then they say, well, how did you become, how did you work at NASA? How did you get there? I said, simple, I applied. <laughs> exactly. Position, the position open, and I threw my name out there, and uh, they- Your USA they, Jobs. They, they called me up and said, we'd like to interview you. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I felt I was pretty confident in my, in my skill set mm-hmm. that I had. Um, I felt that I was fairly competitive. Yeah. Um, and it worked out. It worked out, and they, they hired me, and, uh, and here I am today. <laughs> well, it's like you hear all these different stories of there's some people who like start off as an intern. They may move in as a contractor or maybe some Ph.D. weird, like some Ph.D. system where they could come in yeah. and they're paid by the school, but they work here. Um, but also it's a matter of USA Jobs <laughs> is a website. You go there, you do a keyword search for NASA, and then you just apply. Right. It, it's, and and it's, it's really not much different than even applying for the astronaut program, right? So That's they very put true. Out it's the same call. website. <laughs> they put out a call. They're like, do you want to be an astronaut? Yes. And you're like, please attach your resume. <laughs> exactly. Or fill out the online resume, and then there you go. Exactly. And I got my little card in the mail that said, we, we got your resume, and uh, we'll, we'll follow up with you. And then you get your what I call my rejection card, which I still have, I kept. Oh, really? That says, uh, nice. sorry, you know, uh, you didn't have certain qualifications we wanted. But um, See, now it's so impersonal. It's a, it's a rejection email. <laughs> you can't put that on a fridge. You can keep that. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, those were, it was just the typical simple steps of, of applying for a job. And I think I had done all the right things in my career at that point to, to make myself available for those opportunities when mm-hmm. they came up. And of course, when NASA came up, I was like, absolutely, I'm applying for that job. So looking at your job right now and, and thinking of like IT, but also thinking of like cybersecurity, mm-hmm. um, so much of NASA is really like sharing research. Mm-hmm. It's we're going finding this cool stuff, whether it's like information from a telescope or, you know, and then sharing it with a broader research community. I'm sure nine times out of 10 that sharing it is through like the internet is through yeah. systems. It's either putting the information, making it available, or even just communicating back and forth. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when you're trying to be open, there's certain vulnerabilities and there's some other things that kind of work into that. So how does that play into your job of yeah. wanting to keep the agency to, of the scientific community to share info, but also being smart about it? Mm-hmm. You know? it, it it's, it's, uh, it's extremely difficult and uh, like agencies such as like Department of Energy, uh, with a lot of researchers, right. scientists, and that sort of thing. And, and uh, the federal they do, government in general. Yeah, the federal yeah. government in general, um, trying to trying to share uh, information across the general public and maybe other colleagues and communities of interest, while at the same time trying to make sure that you, you limit uh, access to uh, sensitive information. Stuff that, yeah, it, it, it's you know security can very easily become a roadblock. It, it can mm-hmm. become a roadblock. So the I think one of the nice things about the the career that I've had um, in security and then just in IT in general, but in particular security is 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 I have a, a, a different viewpoint, right? So I can look at uh, access and um, the security controls around that and make a, a, a quick determination on how we can get people access, right? Security uh-huh. generally yeah. always, and it's true. You know, the first thing in security, the, the first word is always no, right? It's yes. always like <laughs> the default. No. Um, but having worked in it so long and then being in the CIO role is I know that there are solutions, right? I understand that there are solutions. And I understand, I think, 
pretty good about risk. Yes. Right. And and that sometimes in in security, uh, we're we're very um, averse to risk. And so mm-hmm. so no is a lot of times is the first thing that will come out of people's mouths is because we're just so risk averse and we just don't trust the humans on the other <laughs> side. Well, and as you said, there's one thing to be the problem identifier. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing to be the problem solver. Right. Where you figure out, all right, where or is there mutually beneficial like situations how how can we get to yes mm-hmm. and and that's and that's while still mitigating the risk yeah. absolutely and that's a a more or less kind of a tenet I try to flow through my organization, um, particularly on the security side, but but any side where we're, we're, we're solutions providers. Totally. Right? We are we're support, we are solutions providers. So if we've got to figure out a way to make collaboration easier, that's that's our job. So we should be working towards that all the time. Mm-hmm. So that and that's one of the one of the real things I like about the job, the really good things is being a solution provider. You get to look at a lot of different technologies and sometimes it's not technology, sometimes it's just a matter of policy. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, you're looking at policy that was written 10 years ago and it's outlived its usefulness. Uh-huh, so you have totally. to go back and revise policy and that sort of thing and make some determinations. But I like being being in the seat to be able to to do that um, to get people to the data and access that they need yeah. to, to further the mission along. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing because like, obviously we like to talk about the, you know, sharing the information with the scientific community, but there's also a certain amount where there's stuff that you can't share because right. it's either there's some proprietary or there's just some reason that it's not ready yet. And, you know, so you need to be able to protect that information. That's not ready to be shared with people. Right. But then also looking at your job of where you're going for like customer service you're also trying to protect the cybersecurity part. Are you able to dabble in some like research and forward thinking of like thinking like ahead instead of just necessarily maintaining the now? Yeah, absolutely. So that you know, that's one of the one of the really big things that I like about let's say not just NASA in general, but being at Ames because Ames is a research center. Very much. And Ames has grown up and been a significant contributor to infinite information technology to the world. Mm-hmm. Right, which a lot of like some people don't know think is it. our roots in here at Ames. Is it? It's a NASA center in the middle of Silicon Valley. Right, that you know. is significant. We were significant in the advent of the internet. Right before yes. it was the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you go to Washington D.C. to the museum, and you see the uh, the the section of the museum where they have uh, conversations and displays about the internet and you see Ames Research Center up there yeah, very yeah. early on with, with the internet. Um, so being here at this research center, it affords me the opportunity, it's acceptable to start thinking about research and development. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter whether I'm in aeronautics or IT, it's very acceptable and, and in fact, it's, um, it is encouraged to think about those things. So uh, we're, we have a number of initiatives that we're running here out of the center and working with the other codes here, the other uh, directorates um, in information technology to look at things, in, in this, particularly in the security realm, mm-hmm. um, areas around big data analysis, using supercomputer to do things like that yeah. that we have here at, at Ames, and do some more R&D for things for not just NASA, it's important, but also to push those things out where we feel that they're, they are applicable uh, across the nation and even internationally. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I love about being at Ames, particularly at a research center, is that 
I can I can do R and D right on on yeah. on my time on on the agency's time as is as, as allowed to really look at some complex problems and mm-hmm. start working through those. I love it. You you, you really can't do that any anywhere else. It's no. really hard to do it any other agency, right? Yeah. It's not your job to really do R and D unless you're at an agency that does R and D, like a you know National Science Foundation or DARPA or something like that. But you couldn't do that at another agency, so it allows me. And I'm I'm a I'm a thinker. I like to be kind of innovative. Yeah. So I love it. I, I love that aspect of my job. Well, I'm sure even at, there's a certain part where you're taking like the research and the development, and then trying to turn that into an actual project policy a thing that actually gets funded mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of back and forth where it's like here's a proposal you write it you put it out then you send it either to headquarters or try to throw it out there and sometimes the answer is yes sometimes the answer is no sometimes it's like not yet well like exactly. you got you're on to a good thread here but why don't you perfect that and that, that's kind of the same path for like that's how kepler you know a space telescope was put like almost all big NASA missions went through this research and development thing until eventually it starts to get pitched and then it's rejected, then it's pitched again and rejected again. Um, are you involved in some of that <laughs> stuff on the IT side of like, we were trying to throw some ideas out there and see, yeah, yeah. try to get, try to yeah. get some. And, yeah. and again, as I said, you know, my, my forte has always been cybersecurity. And so I, I tend to look at, there's a lot of, you know, today, you know, nationally or internationally, problems that are, you know, maybe considered intractable problems, right? Insecurity, okay. like really hard to solve security problems. Yeah. And so um, there's a number of areas that I've, I'm looking at in cybersecurity and some some uh, programs that I've pitched internal to the totally. agency. And they're exactly like, <laughs> it, it works exactly like you said, right? So, <laughs> so, you, so it's a great, I always tell people, I said about every three years, the mm-hmm. good idea fairy comes to me. And nice. I, have, I have this idea, and I go, oh, I have there this idea, go. I have this idea. And um, you, you you know, I laid it out here, and, and, and the, the one I'm working now, I, I call it Griffin X. Okay. Right? And it's around R&D and, and test and evaluation around cybersecurity mm-hmm. um, for, for NASA and, and beyond. And when I pitched the idea internally, it was, it was exactly as you described it, right? I, I, I look at it initially <laughs> as like, Pushing a wet noodle uphill, yeah. right? So you're going and 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 one thing that you have to you know re- remember when you're doing these things that I learned very quickly is our audience, right? Mm-hmm. So our audience, you know, primarily scientists, researchers, engineers, and I'm talking about cybersecurity. So it's not what we do as a core, right? Yeah, it's a little but, odd. but yeah, we little have different. capabilities here uh, at at Ames mm-hmm. that. I looked at and I said, I can take those capabilities, package them up, and turn them into a service and oh, a wow. larger capability for, for the agency. So I went and I pitched it around and, uh, and in a little bit external to NASA as well. It, mm-hmm. You know, it got a lot of uh, a lot of coverage and interest. And internally, it was really slow going. Again, because yeah. it's not core to what we do. And I think folks are kind of like, well, why would we a do that? Outside the box. Yeah. So you had to so you had to kind of uh, build a business case around it. And when it got totally. to headquarters, and I started pitching in at the at the leadership at headquarters, um, people started to kind of catch on to it. But it yeah. was it was uh, uh, you know they said okay it sounds good why don't we do this pressure test it some more internally totally. right kind of yeah. refine it some more and one of the I tell you the great uh, one of the great uh, quotes that I got or guidance that I got 
uh, was from Alvin Drew, right? Former mm-hmm. astronaut. He's with OIIR uh, at headquarters. Which That's is the office of like international relations. Interrelation, uh, yeah. interagency relationships. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, I had a conversation with, with him about this, and I said, you know, it's been really difficult the last couple of years, Alvin, trying to push this thing uphill. And he said, well, he says, let me explain to you this way, Jerry. He says, he said it's he goes, everybody's baby is ugly initially. Right? He goes, Everybody's baby everybody's baby is ugly. He goes, but eventually yeah, baby turns into a handsome adult. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or a young adult. He says he says, so just keep, you know, refining it and pressure testing and and that's what we've been doing. And now what we're starting to see is that a lot of seeds that I planted the last two and a half years or so, they're starting to sprout, right? They're oh, nice. They're as we refine the messaging, start refine refining the business case and start making it applicable to folks from a NASA perspective. Mm-hmm. The interest is growing internally, and we're starting to do more piloting, again, around areas in cybersecurity, around R&D, and yeah. how we focus those on mission assurance, how uh, these activities that we're doing are uh, very applicable to what we do, whether it's human space flight or non-human space flight, okay. and how cybersecurity can impact um, the mission. And here are some things that we can do to reduce the risk to mission from a cyber perspective. So it's starting to to grow legs a little bit and yeah. really starting to move. And so we're excited about that. So that that's but it, well, you're cool. absolutely right. It's it's a it, there's a process that you must must go through. And initially, you know, your feelings get hurt. Well, and it's like it's that's not a bug. It's a feature because it's like by going through this process, it's like you know, you talk, with the babe going with the baby analogy, it's like everybody's ugly baby. It's very precious to them yeah exactly <laughs> but it's like that is why this the process exists and it's like we did a podcast episode like earlier in the year with uh with with Kimberly Enico of Sophia and she'd also worked on New Horizons and like had worked on some projects looking at infrared astronomy <laughs> but then that whole thing didn't even become a thing but eventually it morphed into a different project so like sometimes even the research the thing you're working on Maybe, yeah, maybe it eventually gets approved and goes forward, but mm-hmm. maybe it morphs and takes a different analysis. But it's like, this is all a part of the Absolutely. journey, all a part of the process. Yeah, and I, like I said, I look back two and a half years later, and I understand it, right? I understand totally. it more. The The first year, I was I did not understand it. I didn't understand, like, too. I didn't understand, like, why is everybody not just jumping on board with this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it's like, the, there's a process of just figuring it out. And it actually works. I'm sure it, it refines everything to make them better and more polished. But going through, like, talking specifically about Griffin X, what is the elevator pitch on that? What is the layman's version of... What does that do that's different? Yeah, so it's it's about um, system security engineering. Okay. System security engineering um, into mission programs and projects uh, at the planning, at the at the conceptual and planning phases, right? Okay. So it's about um, planning for security into missions and then having a capability to uh, test those security test the security controls and that sort of those sort of elements um, while the or after the technology is filled it right and have an ability to do mm-hmm. risk management and look at new technologies as those new technologies okay. whether they're security technologies or embedded systems, things like that, right? Embedded so being able to test those in an environment um, for vulnerabilities, uh, and how to and have an environment to be able to mitigate those vulnerabilities, communicate it out to the engineering world, 
okay. say, hey, we this this technology that you has this specific type of cyber vulnerabilities that we've identified, here's how you mitigate it and then train people on that and then again, communicate it out. So that's a, uh, that's a kind of a, uh, an element of my elevator pitch. I've got yeah, a more refined sure. one. <laughs> I, see, I actually haven't said it in a while, but. <laughs> well, it's like, it's more than just technology. It's almost like a process. Exactly. Of like how humans should act. It's policy, yeah. you know, in a certain, mixed with technology. Yeah, there's, there's technology, there's process, there's actually physical environments, lab environments, where oh, we bring in technology and you look at it uh, from a cyber perspective to see where that technology has has potential vulnerabilities or vulnerabilities in it before we put it on a spacecraft and put it up in space um, and have the okay. ability to mitigate it. Or if there's already technology that's already um, uh, on orbit, have the ability to look at the technology that's on there and then be able to simulate it in a simulated environment, part of this lab environment, and identify vulnerabilities, and then you're able to make decisions. Do you want to do you want to try to patch it? Can mm-hmm. you patch it? Or at least you're aware that you have a vulnerable um, system that's up there and you'll be able to, to monitor it. But being able to do that on the ground without actually having to touch them. So it's, it's a little bit of risk management in there as well. And that was some of the conversation I had with the leadership when oh, cool. I did the, uh, the presentations last year. Cool. So I, I would be remiss if it didn't put you on the spot to brag about yourself for a little bit. But <laughs> talking about... It, a recent award. I saw you on a fancy website for yeah. your CIOs. So talk yeah, a little bit yeah. about that. Yeah, you know, um, so there's a, a, a consortium of group out here in, um, I guess, in Silicon Valley area. And they, they had uh, identified the uh, top 50 CIOs, chief information officers yeah. for Silicon Valley. And um, I don't know, it was made one of the top 50. So nice. it was kind of cool. I think uh, when I looked through it, I think I'm the only government, you know, federal yeah. government entity in there. And you had the likes of like the, the giants in there, CIOs for like Yahoo, Kaiser Permanente, yeah. uh, Mattel, all, all across the board. So that was, that was. That's cool. Yeah. That's I, awesome. was kinda, I was happy with that. You know, I, I wasn't expecting it, you know, yeah. um, I've gotten, you know, awards in the past and that sort of thing. Uh, but this one uh, really kind of shocked me because of where we are in the company that we're in, right? The, the, there's, a, there's a whole different pedigree of people in the <laughs> Silicon Valley environment. And, you know, me just being kind of a regular guy, I, you know, I look at myself as <laughs> kind of a regular person um, to be in the same, uh, considering the same pedigree of people uh, that, are, that are on this list was, uh, was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's, also, it's a cool boon just for, yeah. not only for NASA, but also for Ames. It's Absolutely. Like, you know, being in the middle of this, you know, this technology-filled area yeah. of the Bay Area. Yeah. Know? pretty sweet so it's yeah it's kind of cool you know some of the people on the list i i I, i'm uh colleagues with and i talk to about just different issues Mm -hmm. and things like that um but i think um some of it is you know the body of work that i've done whether it's griffin x and and in my career i think it's um uh, kind of come to light uh, different parts of the nation but it's really nice to to come to light in, in silicon valley area it is really nice Cool. So for anybody who has any questions for Jerry, we are on Twitter at NASA Ames. We are using the hashtag NASA Silicon Valley. So anybody's got questions for you and anything about the wonderful world of NASA and being in IT, we can loop everybody on back to you and get some responses. That'd be awesome. Thanks for coming on over, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime.